0: you are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa, for more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. God's desire to comfort us is not in order to make us comfortable but rather to comfort, to strengthen, to encourage, to edify us as we live for him in a fallen, dark world. And as we're obedient uh, to his commands, no matter how difficult or how uncomfortable it may feel to us. So throughout this summer, we've been kind of, you know, slowly, uh, methodically walking our way through a series of messages kind of centered around the 23rd Psalm. And mainly we've been looking at both the challenges, the struggles, the difficulties identified there, as well as God's response. Now Psalm 23 is a a beautiful poem and and David wrote it uh, focusing upon the Lord as a shepherd. And he kind of describes a few of God's characteristics and attributes. And we know that God's characteristics, his attributes are limitless. Uh, There's no end to it. And so David is just giving us a few of those characteristics and attributes. Now it's interesting to me, that in the New Testament, Jesus reveals himself to also be a great shepherd, a good shepherd. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. And then Jesus says in uh, John 10, verses 11 and 14, He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and we recognize that. We celebrate that in communion, the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood. He's laying his life down for us. And Jesus says, that's part of what a good shepherd does. He lays his life down for the sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Now if you read down just a few verses later, following those comments there in verses 11 and 14, you find in verse 19 there was again a division or a commotion or a disagreement among the Jews because of these words, those words that Jesus spoke there in verses 11 and 14. And the reason it caused a division is because the Jews clearly understood when Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd, he was equating himself with the shepherd there in Psalm 23. He says, I am that shepherd David is referring to. And again, Jesus was equating himself with God And the Jews understood exactly what he was saying, what he meant by that, and it caused this division among them. So what we learn about God's character and attributes there in Psalm 23, those same characteristics, those same identical attributes can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So in Psalm 23, uh, where David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack for nothing or I have everything I need. Look at what the Apostle Paul says regarding Christ in Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you see the direct correlation there between the shepherd of Psalm 23 and the good shepherd there in Jesus, that they are one in the same because they do the same thing. Psalm 23, verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. David says, he leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He restores my soul. And part of the reason God makes us uh, kind of lie down in green pastures and and he takes us beside those quiet, still waters is for the purpose of causing us to rest, to just stop, and, and just to use that time to allow God to refresh, to restore us mentally, emotionally, physically. Now look at what Jesus says in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28. He says, come to me. All you who labor, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you, do you see, the, see the correlation there? He's going to lead you beside, he's going to take you to the green pastures, lead you beside still waters. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So what the shepherd proclaims there in Psalm 23 too is the same thing that Jesus is promising there in Matthew 11. And that's why I say what is true of the shepherd in Psalm 23, you will also find in Jesus, the good shepherd, because they are one in the same. Last Sunday, we looked at the first part of verse 4 there in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And then he goes on and says there uh, in verse 4, he concludes by saying, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Several years ago, I was at a conference in Clear Lake called The Father's Love, and Pastor Dave Toyne was teaching on the whole subject of comfort. And he made this statement He said, Many of us have difficulty receiving comfort from God the Father because we have never experienced comfort from our earthly fathers. Stop and think about that. Many of us have difficulty receiving comfort from God the Father because we have never experienced comfort from our earthly fathers. When Pastor Dave made that statement, I knew that that was very true and reflective of my own life. I could honestly look back and I could never think or remember a time where I had ever received comfort from my earthly father my dad was not a mean person. Uh, I don't believe he intentionally withheld comfort. He just didn't know how to comfort others. And I believe his inability to comfort others came from the fact that he was never comforted by his father, who was probably never comforted by his father, etc., etc., So to be honest, up until that point, that moment, I never really thought much about needing, let alone receiving comfort from God the Father. So Pastor Dave's statement, it really impacted me and it really got me to thinking about this whole issue of comfort and God's willingness, his desire, his uh, ability in providing comfort to us as believers, as his children. And the more I thought about that whole concept of God comforting us, I was reminded of that passage there in Psalm 23, verse 4. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. That scripture just came to my mind. And my initial thought was, I had never equated a rod and a staff with comfort. I'm thinking, how how could a rod and a staff be means of receiving comfort from God? I just thought that was just a weird mix of things there, a rod and a staff as a means of provision of receiving comfort from God. Now, interestingly, the word comfort appears in the Bible about 60 times, depending on the translation, and it really means uh, to have compassion, to console, to uh, be sorry, to feel sorry, uh, to uh, be moved with pity, uh, to repent, to suffer grief. And again, some of those definitions we would recognize as a component of comfort, whereas some of those others... um, You know, like repenting or suffering grief would maybe be kind of more foreign to how we would understand or process the whole idea of comfort. Now, in the New Testament, the Greek word is used to convey a calling near. And you see that where Jesus says, come to me. He's beckoning. He's calling us to come near. So we we see that as as an extension, an invitation to receive comfort. It can be a summons, um, especially in the context for help. Uh, It's also used for exhortation, for um, admonition, for encouragement, consolation, and refreshment, which makes sense because Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 4.13, where he talks about the gift of prophecy. And he said the gift of prophecy is something that offers edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So again, back to my question there. How does a rod and a staff, especially in the context of being um, in the valley of the shadow of death, how does that provide us with comfort? Well, one of the important things uh, would be to realize the need for comfort. Now, I want you to think about this statement. All pain seeks pleasure and to be comforted. All pain seeks pleasure and to be comforted. That's true. All pain, now that includes physical pain as well as emotional, mental pain, all pain. It's gonna seek out pleasure. All pain seeks to be comforted. By that I mean we want the pain to stop. We want the pain to go away. And one of the primary ways we do that is by seeking out pleasures that will bring us comfort in the midst of our pain now many of us have you know, had children, or we were children, and at one time maybe fell off of our bicycle, we got stung by a bee, or we got a skin knee, we slammed our hand in a door, I had all of that and more. And in those times of trauma, uh, we would run to our parents, we would run to an, an, a, you know, relative, an adult, uh, and we would hopefully receive comfort from them. And again, as we grow older and we become adults, uh, we still encounter pain, but oftentimes in that pain, it becomes harder and harder to find the comfort that we need. Many times as adults, we experience the pain of rejection, of betrayal, Maybe we've been on the receiving end of gossip, of adultery, of broken relationship. And many times when those kinds of issues occur in our lives, we find it very difficult to find comfort from other people. And again, because all pain seeks to be comforted, when we can't find appropriate sources of comfort, we turn to other things to comfort us. And many of those can be unhealthy, inappropriate ways of being comforted. It can be unhealthy addictions. Many times we turn to food. That's why we have that that phrase, comfort food. You know, we, we hear that often. And again, it's when we become stressed, we become hurt. One of the ways that we medicate or comfort that pain is we just go out and, you know, get food or we eat a whole cake or box of donuts or something like that. And again, the whole thing is, is that we're wanting to try to comfort the pain. Things like, you know, alcohol, drugs, those are the more obvious. The less obvious are things like shopping. Oftentimes, we we wanna deal with the pain through buying things that somehow makes us feel better. Television, pornography, just to name a few, because as I stated earlier, all pain seeks to be comforted. And here's the deal, when we don't deal with our pain, when we don't find appropriate ways to receive comfort, we eventually, as a way of dealing with it, we allow false beliefs to attach itself to the pain. Now I want you just to stop and absorb that. When we don't deal with our pain in appropriate ways, eventually we will allow false beliefs to attach themselves in our pain and those false beliefs become hidden and they kind of just become wrapped up in our pain for example if you've ever been physically abused okay and, and you don't deal with that you don't find comfort in appropriate ways one of the false beliefs that will eventually attach itself to that pain is statements like or beliefs like i deserve that i had that coming If I wouldn't have done such and such, if I would have only kept my mouth shut, if only I would have done what they told me to do, this wouldn't have happened. Therefore, it's my fault. Now, that's a false belief. So we attach a false belief to that physical pain that somehow it was my fault. I deserved what happened to me. And sometimes the abuser will kind of add on to that, and they'll make statements like, now look what you made me do. They'll punch a hole in the wall, or they'll break a door or a window, and and then they'll look at you and say, look at what you made me do and then we attach a false belief to that pain and say yes that was my fault i'm sorry i won't i won't make you do that again as if we had control over their behavior and again making it all the more our fault it's also one of the components that really hinders us from coming to god for his comfort Because we feel like, you know what, if I deserve that, if I had that coming to me, I'm guessing God feels the same way as well. Having been sexually abused at the age of 15, one of the false beliefs that attached itself to my pain was, I should have done more to fight against him. I I should have uh, told someone what he did to me. I I should have went to my parents. I should have called the police. And and I just had all of these uh, beliefs, these false beliefs starting to attach itself to my pain. And again, it's a version of it was my fault. I should have done more to stop this. And then guilt and shame kind of has a way of coming along to reinforce those false beliefs, making comfort all the harder to find. So, again, as I I look at Psalm 23, I I again come back to that how does your rod and staff comfort me? How, How does that provide me comfort? Well, the first and most important thing is we got to recognize and understand is that God is the only ultimate and true source of comfort. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. That word all means all, everything. He comforts us in all our troubles. You can, you know, substitute the word, you know, sufferings, tribulations, persecution, difficulties, whatever that is. He comforts us in all our troubles so that Not only do we receive the comfort we need, but we're also then able, out of the comfort we have received from God, we are now able to give comfort to them, uh, we are able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, and again, we're, we're finding that comfort in the only true source, that's God the Father. He says, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Now, you find that word comfort a lot there in that verse, right? In those verses of scripture. God is teaching us a lot about comfort. I I would just invite you this week to just spend some time on that particular scripture and and, and just allow God to to speak, to minister uh, to your heart in that. So right there in Paul's writings, again, we learn several things about God's comfort. That number one, he is the only true source of all comfort. And and one of the benefits, the many benefits of, of God's comfort is not only does he comfort us in our pain, but he comforts us in such a way that we are then able to take the comfort that we have received and begin to offer comfort to others who are in pain. So when we talk about his rod and staff comforting us, it's also for the purpose of extending that same comfort to others in their times of pain and troubles. Now to understand how the shepherd's rod and staff comfort us, it's really important to understand the role and the purpose of the rod and staff to the shepherd. So I'm just gonna kind of quickly go through uh, a couple of ways that the rod and the staff are used and how those relate to comfort. So the first thing is, let's look at the staff. The staff mentioned in Psalm 23, it symbolizes God's guidance and his loving kindness. Now, many of you have seen a staff or you're familiar with that. It's a very long, slender uh, stick, uh, often hooked at uh, one end. And and it's primarily used to really lead, guide, and direct the flock. Uh, Sheep are notorious wanderers. Uh, And once away from the shepherd's watchful eye, sheep have a way of just getting into all sorts of mischief. The shepherd used the staff to kind of keep his sheep out of danger, would kind of use it to kind of keep them together there in the herd. And this is alluded to there in Psalm 23 too. Again, he he makes me, he guides me, he leads me beside uh, the green pastures. He takes me to those places where there's still quiet waters. And, And the shepherd accomplishes this in part with his staff. And again, it's it's a way that God brings comfort um, to them. He uses that to lead them where he wants them to go to rescue them when they are lost. Now, interestingly, again, because Jesus is the good shepherd, listen to this reference uh, that Jesus makes in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 12. He says, what do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray... Does he, the shepherd, not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, the shepherd rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So it is the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones Should not perish. Let me just ask you this question. Does it comfort you to know that if you get lost, if you wander away for whatever reason, you just wander away, you get off track in your walk, in your relationship with God? Does it comfort you to know that God is committed to looking, searching, finding, and rescuing you, if at all possible. Does that comfort you? Yeah. That that comforts me. I find that very comforting. I find that comforting not because it's what I deserve. I find it comforting because while it's not what I deserve, it's what I need. And God is committed to and focused on giving us what we need, not always what we deserve. Amen? Amen. Again, I find it comforting because how many of us have spouses, children, relatives, co-workers, neighbors who aren't walking with the Lord? I find it comforting to know that while they may not be looking for Him, He, the Good Shepherd, is looking for them. God is searching for those who are lost in their journey of life and i believe it is god's desire it is his heart that not one of them should perish that is how committed he is to the lost i find and take great comfort in knowing that now the rod mentioned there in psalm 23 it symbolizes the lord's strength and his protection Now, the rod uh, that a shepherd carried was often a very, very large, uh, very sturdy wooden stick, and oftentimes they would use it to fight off wild animals who might have hoped to maybe make off uh, with an easy meal out of an otherwise defenseless flock of sheep. And as a matter of fact, David, who was a shepherd, uh, he recounted, An incident to King Saul in which he probably used the shepherd's rod. And in 1 Samuel 17, beginning in verse 34, David says this, your servant, referring to himself, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Now, most likely, what David's referring to, what he used there to accomplish that, was a rod. And again, it was used to protect the sheep and to destroy any of its enemies. Again, Jesus makes a very similar claim. The good shepherd there in John 10.10, he says the thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly and then he goes on and says i am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep again jesus protects us from the thief the enemy who is intent on stealing killing and destroying i love what the apostle paul he he asked this question In Romans 8, verses 35 through 39, he said, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Stop and think about that. How often do those things Trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitution, danger, threatened with death. How many times do those things come at us, and what is our reaction to that? God must not care about me. God must not love me. I must have done something to deserve this. And Paul's writing this, and he's saying, no, 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 no. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. Those things that cause you to question my love for me, Paul's saying, I want to make very, very clear, none of those things can ever separate you from the love of God. So you can take that out of the equation. There may be other reasons, that this is happening there may be other reasons why this is going on in your life but Paul saying to us it's not because uh god doesn't love you so so you can just take that one off of the table and it says as the scripture says for your sake we are killed every day we are being slaughtered like sheep and again you notice how jesus always kind of takes us back to the sheep because he is the good shepherd No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And again, he's just affirming that. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, again, you see a very long list of enemies there that are trying to separate us from God to get us again to question his love for us. We also find comfort in that none of these things, as great and as powerful as they may be, in those times we will find great comfort in knowing the overwhelming victory has already been won for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His victory over all the works of the enemy is now our victory. Let me just ask you, do you find comfort in that? I do. I hope you do. Another purpose for the rod is discipline. We don't like that word, do we? We don't like that concept. But there are times in a flock of sheep where they would begin to kind of fight amongst themselves. And the shepherd would use the rod to kind of bring correction, uh, discipline, the one that's kind of causing the trouble. And, And again, he's trying to bring harmony and unity and peace back into the flock. Discipline was used to keep sheep from hurting themselves or hurting other sheep in his flock. Again, it was never, ever used. God never uses discipline to abuse or to overcorrect. God will never say, oh, I think I went too far with that. He never uses discipline to abuse or to overcorrect, but again, to lovingly discipline until the sheep are once again brought together in peace and harmony with each other. And God uses discipline... For the same reason. There are times where we just need to be corrected. We need to be turned away from evil. We need, you know, to, uh, to get back on uh, track uh, in our lives. And one of the ways that God demonstrates his great love for us is through discipline. Now listen uh, to these words from Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. And again, I would just invite you this week, take some time to look at this scripture and just allow God to speak to your heart. And there he says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words? I I want you to pay close attention. This is for your encouragement. That's why he says, what I'm about to tell you, these are encouraging words. You should be encouraged by this, by what I'm about to say. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? Now, again, if, if you're not a child of God, you're, you're not going to find this encouraging. He says, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up. Don't become despondent. Don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one of us. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And you endure this divine discipline. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, It means you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Now, again, it's important to remember, um, I I fully acknowledge there are earthly fathers who have used discipline in abusive and overcorrecting ways, who used discipline and went way too far uh, with that, what he 's talking about here are parents who used discipline as a form of love to bring uh, necessary correction, but it was never ever abusive or overcorrective and that 's what he 's talking about here. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years during doing the best they knew how, but god 's discipline is always good for us so that we now get this that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Can I get an amen there? Yeah. I don't like that, none of us do. He says, that's fine. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Isn't it comforting to know that God loves you enough to discipline you when necessary, when needed? Isn't it comforting to know that God will bring correction into your life when it's necessary rather than just idly standing by and watching you harm or destroy your life? I find it comforting to know that God has a divine uh, purpose for discipline. And part of that divine purpose he reveals there, he, he says, it's so we will share in his holiness. How many of us want to share in his holiness? And that there will be a peaceful harvest of right living or righteousness. How many of us want to partake in the righteousness of God? Yeah, and one of the ways that God does that, you know, that, that, that brings us into that place of holiness and righteousness. One of the ways, and not the only way, but one of the ways that God does that is through discipline. It's not discipline to punish us. Rather, it's discipline to produce holiness and righteousness in us. And again, when we truly understand the purpose of God's discipline, while painful and difficult at the time, we will look at it as a manifestation of his great love for us. And in that love, it will comfort or should bring comfort to us. Now, one of the final purposes for the rod was one I just learned about as I was preparing for this series. According to the Bible, most shepherds use their rods as a, mean, as a means of counting their sheep. I didn't know that. And In Leviticus 27 verse 32, in referring to tithing, it says, in every tithe of herds and flocks, and that would include sheep, every tenth animal of all that passes under the shepherd's rod shall be holy unto the Lord. And so what the shepherd would do is he would kind of hold out his rod there, and he would have all of the sheep kind of pass under the rod one at a time, counting each animal as it passed underneath. And again, keeping count was extremely important since they're traveling uh, the countryside so extensively. If you've ever chaperoned a school field trip, I mean, you you know what it means to have an accurate count. You know what it means to make sure you got everybody before you uh, take off. So what does counting mean for the believer? It means God lovingly acknowledges us. He counts us. He recognizes us. He sees us individually as well as a community, but he sees us individually, intimately. He knows everything about us. He sees us. He counts us as a part of his family as we pass under that rod. He offers us assurance of his continual presence, his protection, his attentiveness when we follow him wherever he leads us. So again, passing under his rod, again, it's not a method or a form of discipline or correction, but rather a source of great comfort and faithful love in that he knows me, he sees me, he recognizes me. Knowing more about the shepherd's tools, his rod, his staff, and how they're used again, it it is a source of great comfort, of hope, of encouragement, no matter what our circumstances may be. I find it interesting that the rod and the staff are both a part of the same tool. They're working together in God's hands to remind us of his everlasting faithfulness and love, his attentiveness and his presence. As God's children, I believe we can take a deep breath in knowing that God is always with us, always protecting us, always watching over us always guiding us, ready to come searching for us when we get lost, always ready to defend us, always ready to correct us, and always leading us to a place of rest and restoration. And in that, we can take great comfort. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. What I, what I want to challenge... Us with this morning is I want us to ask for God's discipline. Okay, particularly if there are areas in our life this morning where we just kind of feel like we are we are in um, a lot of pain or we're in a lot of discomfort. And part of what God wants to do um, in that discipline this morning is, is He wants to remove any kind of false belief that has attached itself to that pain. Some of you here this morning, maybe uh, some of the pain that you're in this morning, one of the false beliefs that's attached itself to that is that you feel unworthy, or maybe you feel like, I deserve this. Um, and Or maybe there is just a fear Uh, Because maybe you've been harshly disciplined by an earthly father. And so when you hear this concept of the discipline of God, it just causes great fear. Um, in you this morning. And I just believe that God wants to break that off of you this morning. And that's, that's a part of his discipline. And the way that he's going to do that is, is he's going to do that by revealing to you who he truly is, what kind of father he truly is, that he is the God of all comfort, that he is the, the shepherd, uh, that he is able to lead you and to guide you in every way you need to be lead, led and guided this morning. And so I I just feel like what what God is wanting us to do this morning is just to be open uh, to any areas where God would want to bring discipline or correction. And again, for some of us, it may just be a minor tweaking. Others of us, it it may be a major thing that that God wants to uh, work at um, in our lives this morning. And again, part of that is just being willing and open and saying, God, I know if you're going to discipline me, if you're going to bring correction, it's because you love me so much. So Father, this morning, I just pray for any uh, here this morning, Father, that maybe have just avoided, Lord, or, or they're just very, very fearful of this whole concept of the discipline of the Lord. And Father, this morning, I just pray that through your word, God, that we would begin to again see the, the true purpose of your discipline. It, it is to, again, instill within us a sense of holiness. And that, God, that that you're wanting to also instill in us this sense of being righteous, of being in right standing with you. And part of what sometimes prevents us from being in right standing, God, are just false beliefs. It it can be lifestyle choices that get in the way of of what you're trying to establish in us in holiness and in righteousness. And so this morning, Father, we just want to give you permission to just comment, and, and God, I know that, that Jesus said, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And so I know, God, that when you begin to move in, in, in discipline, God, it's going to be in gentle and humble ways. And we thank you for that. We can take comfort in that. And when we truly know, God, that you're going you're gonna to bring that discipline in gentle and humble ways, God. It just allows us to open up and say god bring that work whatever discipline needs to be worked in me and and i'm 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 speaking that first and foremost for myself so father this morning we we just we release any fear we let go of any preconceived unbiblical ungodly ideas that we have about discipline and correction we thank you for your word that again reveals what it is you're doing how you want to do it this morning father and we find comfort in that and so lord this morning we just we invite you we welcome you we receive again your discipline your correction in our lives and father as we Find comfort in that, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we're then going to be able to take the comfort that we have received from you. And that, God, we're going to be able to to extend that comfort to others in their times of trouble and difficulty. And, Father, again, I just thank you for helping us to understand that you are a God of comfort. And, Father, for the ways that maybe we have turned to other sources of comfort and not to you father we repent of that this morning and god help us to truly know what your comfort really is god to know that intimately to know that personally god so that in our times of pain in our times of difficulty god that we can truly come to you the one and true source of all comfort And we thank you that Jesus has made a way for us to come and to experience the comfort of our Heavenly Father. And it's in his name we pray. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.